In nature, a wildfire is one of the most devastating natural forces. It burns hot and fast and leaves little behind but ash and char. Or so it seems. Very soon after the fire passes through the forest, life returns. Shrubs and weeds that clog the forest floor have burned away, leaving space for new trees, grasses, and flowers to emerge and flourish. Habitats are created, bringing new insects, birds, reptiles, and mammals. A cancer diagnosis can feel like a wildfire, our bodies becoming this new, fire-clarified landscape. For some, cancer changes utterly everything. For others, cancer brings greater clarity and purpose. And some of us are still searching for what life after a cancer diagnosis will look like. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and your host. Today, we're going to hear a piece about living with metastatic breast cancer. As we record this, I am working away on this year's NBC issue. My guest today wrote the piece you're about to hear for our 2019 NBC issue. So I'm looking forward to hearing the piece and also catching up on the years since we first published that. My guest today is Vesna Vikota. Vesna became a patient advocate after her diagnosis with metastatic breast cancer in 2017, which was preceded by an early stage diagnosis four years earlier. She quickly realized how little was known about this stage of cancer and how much could be gained with more understanding of the patient's lived experience. Prior to her diagnosis, Vesna worked as a registered nurse, working in community health for 19 years. Vesna is a member of Rethink Breast Cancer's Volunteer MBC Advisory Board, one of the founding members of a Young Persons Breast Cancer Collective in Ottawa, a published author with Wildfire Magazine, and public speaker and established fundraiser. Her status as a patient advocate was recently recognized by the European Society of Medical Oncology. She's been part of many collaborations and shared her story to a wide audience. Outside of her cancer story, Vesna fills her days as a supportive mother and wife. She finds joy in photography, gardening, nature, and has a newfound interest in film and cinematography, occasionally working as a background actor in Ottawa's local film scene. She's able to do all of these things with a grateful heart while being in active treatment that keeps the cancer relatively stable. And as you guessed it, Vesna is joining me today from Ottawa. Welcome to The Burn, Vesna. Thank you. Thanks for being here. So as I said, you are reading a piece that you wrote way back in 2019, or at least I published it in 2019. Possibly you wrote it a little before that. Your piece is called SOS. After you read, we will chat and dig into some of those updates. But for now, I'll go ahead and turn it over to you. Okay, thanks. I have uh, metastatic breast cancer. I spend my time with other people who have a diagnosis of breast cancer too. This life-altering diagnosis, whether early stage or metastatic, is like being on a ship that's just hit an iceberg and is slowly sinking. Everyone is stunned and confused and scared, scrambling to save themselves in a mad dash to the rescue boats. The ship is mostly filled with women, 
A few men are there, but not many. As people scramble for safety, the chivalrous men lead the women to safety first. There's not enough room on the rescue boats for all the women. Most can make it on, but two or three on each side of the sinking ship are left in the water, grabbing for any little piece of anything to keep them afloat. Some of the women on the rescue boat are so relieved to have made it. They see the coastline and cheer and clap and congratulate each other for getting to the boat on time. But there are others on the rescue boat who've noticed that not everyone made it, and they try so hard to reach out their long arms, beckoning those in the water to hang on. Those of us in the water know we are in a bad spot. The ship is almost completely sunk and the rescue boats are moving farther and farther away. We swim towards each other and as our floating lifesavers get heavy and waterlogged and start to sink, we find something else to hang on to so that everyone stays afloat. We encourage each other and say things like, come on, hang on friend, but no, we can only float for so long. After a while, a few of the women who are on the ship are gone lost to the depths of the dark, now calm waters. I'm hanging onto a branch, drifting along and watching the activity in all the directions. I'm at the mercy of the waves that take me closer then farther away from the coastline. It's too far away to swim. There's so much activity going on and I am mesmerized by it all. Those I love are on the coast. They were waiting for me to arrive with welcome signs and hugs and love. They saw the ship go down and are scrambling to help. They yell encouraging words and throw things and plead for those on shore to find more boats. They feel helpless, but they try and try and try. Some of my friends pull together and toss large tree trunks that float effortlessly to those of us in the water. We are so relieved. Others can only manage to toss the smallest of branches that barely leave the shore before they're destroyed by the endless waves. I know they mean well, so I smile and yell thank you, but sometimes the wind catches my words and sends them in the opposite direction. There's a shipyard nearby. I can just make out the activity going on. It's a very busy place with people moving about like busy little bees working on their next masterpiece. I'm hoping and hoping that they build the new ship faster. Forget the trim and paint and fancy flags. Just get the ship in the water. We can only hang on for so long. But when I squint, I see the shipyard a little clearer. And then I feel some dread in my belly. The new ship? Well, there's no bottom to it. In an effort to please all the villagers, the ship workers thought it would be a good idea to build the ship from the top down. That way all the villagers will see how hard they've been working. They will see the mast and the flags and be like, wow, look at that new ship. This will be the best ship ever. And the ship workers know that the hull is the hardest part to build. It is laborious and slow and takes far longer to build than the villagers expect. So they work on the hull little by little, but keep making new colorful flags and swing them around whenever the villagers start to ask questions. The rescue boats are even farther away now. I can see some of the women still celebrating, but there are others huddled together in the corner of the boat, wrapped in safety blankets, shell-shocked and in a daze, trying to process what just happened. From my vantage point, I can tell one of the boats is tipping to one side, 
and some of the women are going to fall out. I try yelling to them, but my voice is hoarse from the cold water, an effort to stay afloat. It is barely a whisper. Before my eyes, a woman loses her balance, and splash, she's in the water too. The rescue boat barely notices and keeps on going, desperate to get to shore and safety. So those of us already in the water quickly swim to her and tell her it'll be okay. We encourage her to focus on the coastline and all the people trying to help. We tell her to hang on. The water is cold and I'm tired from trying to stay afloat, but I'm not ready to give up. I'm hanging on, but I don't know how much longer I've got this. Please send help. Pesno, mm. such a wonderful metaphor. Thank you for that. So we are going to take a quick break here to hear from one of the people who've been through a wildfire workshop. And when we come back, we will dig into your story. Hi, friends. There is now a wildfire book in the world. It is a big, beautiful compilation of my favorite essays from Wildfire Magazine, spanning all the way back to our first ever issue in 2016, up to the summer of 2022. This book took years to create and is literally the resource I wish I had had when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. This book is called Igniting the Fire Within, and it's made up of 50 essays that really dig into the experience of having breast cancer in our 20s, 30s, and 40s. Every stage of breast cancer is represented from DCIS to stage four, from all sorts of walks of life from all around the world. Our writers go deep and get vulnerable to heal their own experiences and to let others like you know that you're not alone you will find yourself within these pages. Get Igniting the Fire Within, stories of healing, hope, and humor inside today's young breast cancer community on Amazon in paperback and for Kindle now. Curl up with it today. Hi, my name is Becca Kelleher, and I was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer at age 35 in 2021. I recently attended a wildfire pop-up writing workshop for the run for the young breast cancer community on the theme of new normal, and it was wonderful. I had started a piece around the theme and felt like I was hitting a wall and that I was getting stuck. The prompts and guidance provided really helped me find my flow, and I feel ready to re-engage with this piece of writing and tie it up with a neat bow, really just get it ready to release into the wilderness. I'm drawing inspiration from the other participants and their unique perspectives, as well as the new insights I was able to unearth in myself. I can't wait to join another workshop. All right. Thank you so much for the love, Rebecca. I so appreciate that. Welcome back, Vesna. Thank you again for your beautiful story. I am excited to chat with you about it. So let's start with an update. I kicked us off by saying you had written this all the way back in 2019. Um, I'm really proud of the fact that I I think that, yeah, the NBC issue is my longest running annual issue. Started the very first year in 2016 um, that I was publishing. But that means a lot of time has passed. And so I want to start by asking you if you want to give us an update. And also, I'm curious how it felt for you to read it today. Um, well, as far as an update, uh, I, I've been very fortunate in that uh, my metastatic breast cancer has been stable on my first line of treatment. Um, and I know it's really just 
luck in biology um, that my cancer has uh, responded to the treatment that I'm on. And so that's why I continue to advocate, even though I've had really great outcomes. Um, but that's not the story that many other people have with metastatic breast cancer. And so it's important for us to continue advocating for better treatments. Um, but I am fortunate in that I am, I, my health is stable. Um, and I, I remain on my first line treatment uh, from since 2017. And mm, that's wonderful. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. So this metaphor of the ship that, that you shared, does it still ring true to you all these years later? Or is there another metaphor that's speaking to you these days? Um, well, as far as the piece, I mean, it has been so many years and I hadn't looked at it in some time. And of course, I think all of us would say we're, we're our biggest critics. There's a whole lot that I would change about it if I could go back and do that. But as far as the ship and water and it all still kind of rings true. Like I know what I was trying to get across in that piece. And a lot of it is still, I guess, the same in that um, those of us in this community have a common thread in that breast cancer has touched us all in, in some way, um, but that our, our experience with breast cancer can be so vastly different depending on how it has impacted our lives. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And like you said, you know, luck in biology, whether you got into that rescue boat or not, um, or managed to continue to be in it. I know I think about that a lot with my own experience. Um, yeah. So you ended the piece with the, you know, a callback to the title. The title of your essay was SOS and you ended it with please send help. And I guess I'm curious what what help looks like, or maybe maybe I need to ask both Vesna of 2019 and Vesna of 2023 what help looks like and what 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 you're calling for. Um, it's it's a call for allies. It's a call for the breast cancer community to come together uh, in trying to find better treatments and ultimately a cure for metastatic breast cancer. I've heard other advocates say before, once you cure stage four, you've cured breast cancer. Um, for too long, I feel like there's been a divide between stages. Um, and, and for me, I feel like there could be so much more accomplished out because we all have the common goal of, of wanting to cure breast cancer. So what does your advocacy look like these days? Um, I use social media to just kind of share my story, to just let people know that life life can go on with a metastatic breast cancer diagnosis, um, that I continue to live with hope and, and happiness and, and hope that message gets to people who are newly diagnosed. Um, I know that I clung desperately to those stories when I was first diagnosed you read that you read the statistics and, and then you you look for the things that you need um and so I really really needed those stories of people being able to live um past what the statistics told you um, about the diagnosis mm -hmm. um yeah I forget the rest of the question I'm sorry 
No. Oh, that's that's totally fine. I was just wondering what your advocacy looks like now. And you said um, primarily social media. Um, is there anything else you want to add to that? Uh, social media. And I, I continue to work quite closely with Rethink Breast Cancer. Uh, I've done a number of speaking engagements with them, um, sometimes with industry partners or um, government officials or whoever, um, and really just trying to put a face to the the patient that may, they might not necessarily uh, be part of their practice. So just to kind of remind them why they got into oncology, inspire people to continue trying to be innovative and creative and get better treatments out there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I have a two-part question for you. I'll ask you the first part first and then and then the second part. But I'm curious, you know, as you look back over the span of the time that you've had breast cancer, you know, starting with your early stage diagnosis and now metastatic, do you feel that things have changed or does it feel feel like a lot of the same? Um, it depends on what day you ask me. So some days I feel like we've made great improvements. Uh, you know, there are treatments that are are now being available that were not even available when I was diagnosed with MBC, never mind early stage. So in that way, you do see some progress happening. Um, it does seem like some people are living longer, although that isn't the, the case for everyone. Um, but without good statistics, it's really hard to say that with any kind of certainty. Um, other times... Uh, it's sort of hard to talk about. Um, like the last few weeks in the NBC community, we've had a lot of losses. Yeah, Kelly just yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. Kelly Davis, yes, yeah, and that hits really hard because uh, you feel like you're making progress. Yeah, yeah but then that kind of makes you feel like really how far we've come these uh these beautiful souls deserve better Mm -hmm. i agree yeah the loss is so hard um i guess i want to ask you about about the call for allies and if you feel that the divide between early stage and nbc has shrunk and and i'm honestly asking you from a place of of curiosity because I've worked so hard in wildfire to make sure that there's not a division there. And so I maybe have lulled myself into thinking that the whole world of breast cancer has changed in that direction. So I'm wondering how it looks from your side. Um, again, I've been really fortunate in my personal experience uh, to have some really supportive friends who uh, were diagnosed early stage, never progressed to meds, and have been some of my most supportive allies through any of the fundraising campaigns, advocacy campaigns I've been part of. Um, And I wish that was the same for everyone. Uh, In the, the NBC communities, many people can share stories of where they felt excluded because of their diagnosis. And so again, it's like for some people, it it, it it's been good, um, 
but for others is still very much that divide. And I can understand um, in part that that fear of recurrence and you know trying to connect with people that are are living such a difficult experience and knowing that that could potentially be yours. I can, I can so appreciate how difficult that is. Um, but then at the same time, if we don't acknowledge it, like how are we ever going to move forward? Yeah, absolutely. So I want to ask you, and I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot, but what advice would you have for for people who do want to be allies? Um, I think just be willing to connect with people who are living with metastatic breast cancer. Um, Rethink Breast Cancer has had a campaign that's been going on for many years to be an NBC ally. It's it's kind of signing up to to pledge to be that and you receive updates on a regular basis of what they're doing in the NBC space to create change. Um, those are two ways. It's just sharing stories, um, amplifying the voices of mm-hmm. the people in the NBC community. I mean, I, I think Wildfire has done a great job of, of bridging that gap like I don't think you're you're living in a a dream state. I, I think you have really created that in that your your stories are a mix of different stages, and then sometimes they will focus on a on a particular issue relevant to one group of people. And I mean, that's really all that you can ask for. And it's it's trying to create this common space without necessarily fear, but just an understanding. That it's different. Yeah, I I appreciate you saying that that wildfire is doing a good job. I am always so I don't know if happy is the right word, but I feel good when a mix of stages attend workshops as well, because then in real time you are hearing experiences, and you know it's not waiting for a polished version of a story. Not that you know I. I wouldn't say that any of the stories in Wildfire are like sanitized or anything like that. But when you hear someone read something they just wrote like five minutes ago and their experience is either, you know, reflecting back to you something that you recognize as your own experience or shedding light on a totally different experience, like happening in real time. I think that that for me is is a way to, like you said, not only listen, but then amplify because it plants this seed of like, oh, these stories need to be heard and they need to be shared. And also, I think the the other benefit of it is building bridges and seeing that we are not that different, you know, even though our experiences of breast cancer are very different at heart, like we are still humans. We are still the people, you know, that we were before breast cancer ever came along. And, you know, obviously that changes things, but sometimes it's we have to see the humans behind it, I think, too. Yeah, that uh, um, in the yeah. story that I wrote as well, that the other common thread is the coast, all of us heading to the coast or the coastline. And, and that's the metaphor for the cure, that we all want to be in that direction. Some of them, some people are getting there faster than others. Some people reach and some people don't. Um, but there is probably more commonalities that we could find in our experiences than just looking for all Mm -hmm. the differences. Exactly. 
Yeah. And I, I don't know, personally, I always like to hear differing stories, especially stories that could eventually be my story, because it gives me an idea of what that road might look like. And for me, that is less scary than not seeing any kind of um, visual or, you know, person living that experience. So I've always appreciated hearing a variety of perspectives but I guess I have to acknowledge that there are people for which it is too scary and and they maybe aren't ready yet to hear all of the different stories. Um, I do have one more question for you before we run out of time or a couple more questions. Um, but I'm just curious if you would have any advice for someone who is listening to this who is more recent to their diagnosis of metastatic. Is there anything that you would want them to know? Um, for someone who's recently diagnosed. Yeah, don't pay attention to all the stats, if at all possible. <laughs> I mean, I I think there's a strong NBC community. I, I think community is healthy um, and, and it's okay to be, to have that hope uh, even when you're first diagnosed. Uh, Hmm. Yeah, I think hope is is big. And be your own I, advocate. I really do. Yeah. <laughs> be your own yeah. advocate uh, that it's important to speak up and let your medical team know what's important to you. Um, that really changed the course of, of my treatments. Uh, so I encourage people to do the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, my last question for you, and turning back to your story and this beautiful metaphor, I'm curious if you were to continue writing the story, you know, now, all these years later from when you first started it, are you still in the water or are you in some other type of rescue boat that's maybe, maybe not going yet to the shore or maybe it's, I I don't know. I'm just curious if where you see yourself right now in that metaphor. In that metaphor, I still see myself in the water. I see uh, all of us who are living with metastatic breast cancer in the water, trying to hang on. Uh, Some of us just grasping at whatever treatments will work, one after another failing. Uh, Others with more of those sturdy logs that are thrown our way but can hang on a bit longer. But definitely Mm -hmm. still in the water. Yeah, still in the water. Yeah. Mm. Vesna, thank you so much for your story. So those of you listening, you can find Vesna's story in our archives. If you are a subscriber, we have all of our digital archives available to you. So this was in the 2019 issue of Wildfire, their metastatic issue. The story is called SOS. And Vesna, if people want to find out more about you or follow you online, where can they do that? Um, I'm uh, mostly on Instagram and Facebook uh, at at vesna.mbc.lens. And uh, I have a Twitter profile too, but I mostly just read and not super active on that platform anymore. Um, Yeah, probably Instagram would be the best place to find me. Okay, perfect. We will be sure to link to you. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I really appreciate you and your story. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. 
Well, thank you all so much for listening. I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn's a production of Wildfire Magazine, where we share breast cancer stories from young people like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant is Monica Haro. Want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer story? Visit wildfirecommunity.org to find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode, to find our 40-plus issues in the archives, and to take a writing workshop with me. There is no place on the planet like a wildfire writing workshop, and I want you to experience it for yourself. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story. And don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. If you like what you hear, please take a moment and leave us a five-star review. I would be forever grateful. All right, here is your writing prompt. I want you to set your timer for eight minutes and write without stopping or editing. Your prompt is to find your cancer metaphor. What speaks to you about your experience? Metaphor is such a great way for helping us get deeper into our stories and to find the heart of what they make us feel. So what does your metaphor look like and how does it make you feel there? Write for eight minutes, write without stopping. See what needs to come out and where it will take you. And if you find that you write best with a good prompt, there are more prompts and writing lessons available to you. Head over to wildfirecommunity.org free to get yours today. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care.